by going through the steps and jumping through the hurdles because all of this other compliance stuff that's coming in from CBP, you're going to be in compliance with just by following CCPAT. Welcome to Simply Trade, brought to you by Global Training Center. My name is Lalo, and together with my co-host Andy, we have well over 60 years of combined trade, logistics, and supply chain experience. Along the way, we have seen and witnessed different challenges in trade compliance. We decided to put the show together and call on our friends and colleagues in the business to hang out with us and share their knowledge in all things trade. Thank you for spending some time with us. Enjoy the show. Lalo, I tell you, we're going to have a good show today. We're talking about the CTPAT program, which is the Customs Trade Partnership Against Terrorism, hence CTPAT. And uh, we're going to get to talk about uh, what the big deal is. You know, it's going to be cargo security. It's going to be like uh, an importer self-audit or self-assessment. Uh, there's a lot in covering that umbrella of the CTPAT program. Right. And um, I guess this is kind of a good place to have this show only because in recent shows we've had um, guests talk about different things that affect your supply chain. Um, and uh, for example, forced labor, um, that, mm -hmm. that obviously you need to check your suppliers and uh, sometimes anti-dumping and countervailing duties as well. You know, just need to make sure that you're dealing with uh, suppliers that are not going to, you know, dump let's call it, uh, products and, uh, and cause uh, higher duties. And uh, so I think this is a good place to talk about this. And uh, like you said, this does involve both your supply chain security and uh, your trade compliance. But let's go ahead and just concentrate on that one thing because we do have Karma Ruiz coming on. And so she'll be telling us um, about that part of the program, the, the core part of which is what everybody understands or knows yeah. CTPAT for. It's a good program. It's been around for a while, but on the same token, there's some upsides and downsides. So right. Karma is going to be able to help us uh, understand a lot more of that. So let's bring Karma on. Well, Karma, all right, we're going to uh, obviously, as uh, we have told everybody, we're talking about the uh, CTPAT program. And then there is uh, a lot of, it's been around for a while. Obviously, yeah. it's a uh, trusted trader type of a program. So... As far as getting into it, I'm just going to jump into something. You go, why would anybody go through all the time, effort, and expense to become to become CTPAT certified? Is are there any benefits to it and all that? So, once you jump in and just tell us about the the program, and what you think about it, is it worth it or not? Well, I've asked that question several times because when someone approaches me, I want to make sure I'm, you know, doing right by them. So. I do definitely think there's some pros and cons. Um, some of the benefits, I'd say, are just the ones that are on the surface because they have, you know, reduced inspection. It increases your competitiveness. But, um, you know, the one thing that I think people need to realize whenever they're looking at this is that if you aren't in the program and you think that you're going to be able to bid for one of these large importers and get their business, um, you're going to have a problem because what's going to happen is they're, they might say, if you're not CTPAT member, then you can't be part of the program. You can't even you can't even bid on our you know do our RFP. So I mean that's that's one big thing that people have to take into consideration. And once you do apply, it takes a few months. Um, I do think a big benefit though is that with that trusted trader that you were speaking about, there's mutual recognition programs right. with countries overseas 
And if you are working with a company overseas and they're in that mutual recognition program, then you're considered a trusted trader internationally and it works really, you know, then you don't have to go through that vetting process for your overseas vendors. It makes it a lot easier. So to your point there is that is there a list that Customs has or the State Department or whomever on the uh, list of reciprocal countries? Oh, yes. There's uh, 13 of them. Um, I don't have them okay. listed off the top of my head right now, but they're, they're expanding more. What happens we'll, is they'll we'll sign up. We'll shoot them up on the screen here. Yeah. Okay. Okay. We'll, 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 po we'll post that up on the – so, you know, yeah. okay. So – that's one thing to what, what you're saying as far as a reciprocal program is that if your company has become certified or a, a member uh, of their trusted trader program in that country, then in the CTPAP program, it should be a recognized uh, entity, if you will, right? Yeah. Basically Let me ask you a question before we go too much further, too. Go ahead. Go ahead. Finish up. Well, no, the way it would work is the advantage to you being a CTPAP participant is if they chose to do a validation in that overseas country, if they're in that mutual recognition program, then they're already accepted and considered a vetted, you know, so you don't have to go through that whole process overseas. Okay. Okay. So that is, so from a validation perspective, it definitely would streamline that, that process, which is good. Let me ask this question though, as we're going into it. Is there a difference of becoming a CTPAT member of the program mm -hmm. or as well as then being a CTPAT certified member? Well, yes, you can apply. And if you're not validated already, it, and that could take up to three months to a year to get validated, you have a number, but really you're not right. getting any benefits and you're not providing any benefits to your clients. Um, but once you are validated, then you actually have tier one or tier two status. Tier two means you're the minimum requirements, and tier three means you're the best of the best. You, uh, and that's only, I think, reserved okay. to 4% of the companies that are CTPAT members. Well, it's interesting on that. Here, here's something else that I'm going to jump in on now, because I have personally, uh, you know, years ago I was with FedEx. I was with uh, working with other importers uh, and exporters and, and whatnot. When the CTPAP program started becoming to fruition and there were discussions on it. The concept is great. The theory is there would be fewer inspection inspections of your freight. But the question I've got is, can the government prove it? Cause there was an issue with that, that they really didn't or couldn't provide the statistical data. And it's like, you know what? It's not really, uh, it's an effort, and it has some expense to it to become certified and validated and whatnot. But is it really worth it? Is there are there statistics now that show the difference of CTPAT certified companies getting, shall we say, the equivalent of the old paperless release right. versus those that don't? Well, that's the problem with our government sometimes, and they like to say, okay, well, if you haven't received an increase in your inspections, you're actually getting a benefit because we've increased inspections. So it's very difficult for you to qualify that or quantify that for a company whenever they are asking about tangible benefits. 
But if I could sort of elaborate on that, um, I have found some really solid Please. benefits. Um, we have, there's a, a new, a new um, part of the program that came out with the new 2020 MSCs, and that's on forced labor. So I've been speaking with a lot of my larger wow. importers, and I have been finding out that as they're not really certain how they're going to be moving towards enforcement, that's the U.S. government, with speaking to these importers, what's been happening is they're going and getting, they're getting these um, requests for information or these detention notices because they believe that some of their products may be made with forced labor. So for a company that gets in the CTPAP program and is concerned about, you know, following all the protocols, especially with the new MSCs, you've already gone through this process. You've already vetted your vendors. You've already, you know, you can prove with documentation that they're not using forced labor or they're doing money laundering. So that if you do get this withhold release order from customs and a detention notice, you're able to comply within that 60 to 90 day window to get that information to them. But if you haven't been preparing, if you haven't looked at your forced labor or your social compliance issues, then you're probably not going to be able to right. comply with all the information they want. Because they're talking about going back and getting time cards for people that pick cotton in the fields and, and you know, having video surveillance of the working conditions that these people are working under. And these are not just your vendors. These are the people that you got your cotton or your fabric from. So I do believe that is a major tangible benefit. Well, that's one thing. And I, I will say that it's been interesting that the example of get, going all the way down to get the time cards for the laborers has been uh, something that that has been circulating around, but it's also one where there needs to be some, there, there, right now there doesn't seem to be any consistency, but you answered the question because of that is the reason for that is the government isn't quite sure how to enforce the uh, Forced Labor Prevention Act uh, uh, legislation. As that is taking shape, I can see where a CTPAT, uh, company member, um, you, you've generally you're going to have a, a custom specialist assigned to your account, correct? Yes. And they should be able to help navigate within customs uh, and be an advocate for you if you've if you're crossing the T's and dotting the I's. So I can see where that should become a very positive. Is this forced? Uh, labor prevention uh, activities are are taking shape so uh, to help navigate through the port. There are some additional things that I found that is um, a con with working with the program. Uh, so we find that now that with CTPAD and these new MSCs, they're introducing what's called a trade compliance component. Now, initially, when CTPAT was ramping up, the AEO program came out in Europe. The AEO program is more of a trade compliance program as opposed to a security program like CTPAT. So at first, Customs and Border Protection was extremely reluctant to actually borrow anything from the AEO program. Well, now with all these mutual recognition programs that we have, they're trying to move CTPAT more from a security program to trade compliance. Now, this has angered a lot of members in the community because that was not the, the initial purpose of them to get into the program, and they don't really want to have to deal with the trade compliance aspect. Now, whether that's going to bode, you know, negatively on the importer, 
Um, that remains to be seen, but I think that you can't get someone in under a guise of it being security and then change the rules afterwards. So we do expect that some membership will fall off, and, um, and that is a concern for CTPAT mm -hmm. because they don't, of course, want to have anybody leave the program. Well, and to that point is <clears throat> in today's world, um, I mean, you made a note, uh, you know, comment in some of the notes uh, as we've exchanged here, is that the world is changing so rapidly. Um, one of the things, though, I would also say in that is that the compliance, be it trade compliance, be it import compliance, be it uh, export compliance, you know, and, and when I put trade compliance, I'm talking about everything from um, the, 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 a widget being sourced, you know, again, trade compliance being, is, is it uh, uh, forced labor or not? Have you taken due diligence in that? Is it uh, the valuation on it appropriate? Uh, country of origin marketing, all those kinds of things. That's what I'm looking at as far as those trade compliance, especially trade programs. But when you're actually exporting the goods, then you have a whole nother realm of the, you know, restricted parties, uh, denied parties, screening, the importing, same thing. All that kind of stuff, though, that comes into play needs to be looked at somewhat holistically. So I can see where a CTPAT program, where the intent was there initially, but it's been out there for, what, 15 years or 20 years now? I hate to say yeah. it's like... Has it been 20? I, I know it's at least years, 15. Yeah, yeah it's like yeah. No, 20 years. Yeah, I was, I think, six years old when it started. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. Um, but seriously, uh, the, the, uh, the program's been out there. It's going to evolve. The question that I have is, is it possible for some of these other programs to merge into one program or – you know, uh, so you're not replicating efforts in two different programs that are governed by two different groups. Um, so, again, as we're getting into that, the pushback is, I think, in some of the regulatory and industry affairs activities of a company. You just mentioned some of the cons on that is that, and, and the other thing is about customs saying, um, well, if you've not seen an increase in exams, then you're seeing a benefit because we're increasing exams. I'm sorry. That's go pound sand. That's bogus. The issue there is government, <laughs> you guys need to be able to show what you're doing or forget the program. You can't talk a good game and then turn around and go, oh, no, just trust me. It's, it's better. No, show me. And that's some of the things that as the importing and exporting community – needs to you know to hold the government accountable go you need to show us if you want participation you need to show us what do you think about that oh well most definitely i mean we're i feel that these companies really jump through hurdles to make this program work and it is very intrusive to their day-to-day -day operations and you know they put stipulations on some of the importers that they don't like you know for them to use consultants and you know, during the day-to-day -day operations when you're trying to make revenue, it's extremely difficult for you to stay up with this program because you need monitoring of all your vendors, you need to do summary of deficiencies, you know, you need to do risk matrix, map your cargo, know when your cargo's at rest. All of this stuff can be facilitated if you're using um, someone who can basically focus on it by using a consultant or a full-time employee. But what's been happening now is this, uh, mm -hmm. this 
relationship with customs has become adversarial between the consultants and U.S. Customs because a lot of them are getting ready to retire. They have that 20-year window. They're getting ready to leave um, customs, and so they want to start a consulting firm, and they want to take their, their clients with them. And so they've been pushing out the consultants. And this is really leaving a bad taste in the mouth for a lot of the importers and a lot of the people that are in the program because they need help. And if they're choosing to bring someone in to help them with the program, customs shouldn't have a problem with it. I agree wholeheartedly. That's one of those issues, again, that from a uh, regulatory and industry affairs, that needs to be an agenda item that gets discussed and talked about. Um, because, again, if you're putting forth the effort, I mean, to me, quite frankly, I would have to keep challenging customs, if you will. Who is it that's saying you don't like the, the consultants? Once you get to that point and say, well, then justify that. What, under what premise? The premise generally is probably, and again, this is conjecture on my part, is that they're trying to make sure they can hold the company liable so rather than you say, oh, no, a consultant gave me that and it, mm-hmm. for any activities. The, the company is ultimately liable if, uh, if they are the exporter, importer, whatever, if it's their bond, all those kinds of things. But uh, the fact that not to get a consultant, which under the, the premise would be reaching out, getting an expert, would mm-hmm. fall under the same premise as when I go to the doctor and I have a problem with some kind of issue, I may want to get a specialist. Well, gee, guess what? That is an expert in their field, but oh no, we can't use a, you know, I got to use just the one uh, doctor. That doesn't work that way. Same thing here. Mm-hmm. You have consultants or experts that are, have that expertise in that niche and that, Hey, I, I, I'm going to go and do the right thing. I'm going to get somebody on board. And if somebody within the government has a problem with that, they're going to have to justify that. Well, and not only that, there is an accountability element too with the portal because what they've done now before other people could submit it now it has to be an officer of the company and consultants actually have to have their own separate sign on into the portal and you know, and then so they even know that you're a consultant. So there's no real way to get around it. It's very visible. But um, I've noticed that some importers are actually hesitant to work with consultants now. So what we do, we stay behind the scenes, assist them, provide them with documents, and they do all of the right. work in the portal, which works as well, you know, just as well. But there are some other issues it that does. we have with the supply chain specialists and the consistency in the way that they're implementing the program. Now, uh, the way I've had some companies that have been in CTPAT from the very beginning, and they've passed every year, they do their due diligence, they're very, very, they're, they, they really are to the, to the letter of the program, they're really following it. And then they'll switch supply chain specialists and they'll be suspended because all of a sudden they're not in compliance. Now, how do I justify that to an importer that the, the program is valid and it's doing something, you know, worthwhile whenever... You know, for 10, 15 years, they've been passing, and then all of a sudden they get a new person that thinks that it's not, they're, you know, that they're not up to mm-hmm. speed. Now, I do think the new minimum security criteria is eliminating a lot of that, um, you know, that open-ended interpretation of how it should be, you know, the program should be implemented. I do see more of a checklist coming through. I see a lot more of that type of, you know, it's more cut and dry, black and white, which it really, the program really needed. 
so I do see the program moving towards a positive direction, but there's still, I think there's still some hurdles that we need to overcome. Well, you're hitting on something that, <clears throat> again, the trade associations that are involved with meeting um, with the different bureaucrats, um, you know, departments, whatever, on behalf of an industry. So it may not necessarily be a specific company, but it would be for the industry or for the importing community or exporting community or whatever they're, uh, they're moving forward on. That's one of those things that needs to be discussed. And again, to hold them accountable on that. The problem is, is that if they're not um, responding, which there's been challenges in this, if they're not responding, the, the, that association is going to have to be willing to escalate it because it, it will get there. I mean, it's, it, there's, we're not the enemy. That's the problem that I've seen. There are times with this, the pendulum effect where all of a sudden the importer or that uh, company is looked at as the en enemy right off the bat. And to your point, going several years uh, being just fine and then all of a sudden getting suspended. I don't see how they could justify that. The other is with the CT patent, the uh, custom supply uh, or the uh, supply chain specialist, um, they seem to operate somewhat autonomous from the, uh, what's the other program? Uh, I've gone blank where they have the, the C's, isn't it? it, it isn't that what they were oh, called? The, the centers of excellence. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be at times where, look, if if you're looking at suspending somebody over a CTPAT issue, well, are they? Chances are they're also going to be in the, uh, a client in the C, don't you think? It's like, hey, you guys need to talk here. What's going on? Well, I mean, it's even worse than that. I mean, the centers of excellence and expertise. I under, you know, I, I do get your your reference there, but I mean, it goes down to a simple thing within the government where they don't even know that a company is participating in CTPAT because whenever I right. mitigate penalties for, for companies, I have to prove that they're in the program. And I, what I have to do is cut and paste the part, you know, log in the portal and cut and paste that they're approved in their number or else right. nobody else has any right. visibility to their, to their participation. So, I mean, hmm. yes. I mean, we're talking that's that's actually U.S. Customs together comprehensively, and they can't figure it out. So when you're talking about a centers of excellence and expertise, you know, that's dealing with much higher level than CBP. So, yeah, I, it doesn't surprise me at all that there's no communication between the two groups, but definitely something that needs to be done. There needs to be more more communication. Karma, what we, we've kind of talked through some things. Let's let's go to again the, the scenario in today's world. Chances are it would still be a wise move for somebody, a, a, a company, to become a CTPAT member, uh, so that they are not going to you know knock themselves out of some of these you know bids or contracts uh, potentially. Would you not agree with that? Well, yes, but I, I try not to look at the benefit of something as the potential business. What I try to look at as being a positive and a tangible benefit is you are going to know your supply chain. I have had so many people shocked whenever they looked at their supply chain and all of a sudden they realized that they're, you know, $500,000 worth of equipment being taken to the port in the back of a Toyota pickup truck. Um, 
you know, that, that type of thing, knowing when your cargo is at rest, that's very valuable because if you know where your cargo is at rest, you're very much able to put in checks and balances to stop any type of pilferage, or, you know, to your cargo. Right. Um, you know, there's, there's just, and like I said, when you're starting to do the social compliance, which is now a very big thing, when you assess your right. supply chain, you have no surprises. You're able to provide the documentation and show to customs that you've done your due diligence. So yes, it is cumbersome. There are definitely yeah, here, some problems. Here Glo- Go ahead. Yeah, I was I was gonna say here at Global Training Center we say you're a good corporate citizen, right? I mean, yes. you're 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 complying with these, like like you said, you know, forced labor and I mean, even cybersecurity, right? Because that's a big component of it, and and you're making Very sure. Good. Well, well, personally, you're making sure you're not getting. Or trying not to get hacked or, or ransomed or whatever. So, yeah. It's actually, um, with some of the other programs mm-hmm. I work with, because I also work with TSA and, um, you know, with the CBP, mm-hmm. and, and um, they have made the cyber issue is actually a very, very big part of it now. You can't even, you know, reinstate your certified cargo screening program now without, you know, having a, a cyber person, a cyber expert, and, and you have to you know, be able to explain what your, your firewalls are and your, you know, your parameters that you have for your, your cybersecurity. So, yes, that's also another big component. So I, I do think that what we're doing is, you know, since terrorism is a moving target, CTPAC's trying to catch up. I think they're doing a good job, and I think it benefits the trade by going through the steps and jumping through the hurdles because all of this other compliance stuff that's coming in from CBP, you're going to be in compliance with just by following CTPAT. Excellent. Excellent. Okay. Well, Karma, thank you so much. Karma, I'll tell you what, you, you know, some good information here. I, if there's anything else, too, that uh, you have that you want to supply uh, that we can include in the show notes, we'll, uh, we'll add those in there. Um, yeah, and, and then we'll definitely have a, a link to your bio. I, I want people to know how to get a hold of you. Um, how to talk to you if they need to. So we'll put that on the show notes. Um, the, your your bio is also always, always on our website anyway because you're a regular uh, instructor for Global Training Center. So we'll just keep that going um, and we'll make sure we reference that and uh, people can get a hold of you. That's fantastic. Guys, I really appreciate you having me on. And, um, and you know, I hope we can continue to talk with some other topics, okay? <laughs> we definitely will. Definitely. I appreciate it. Thank you, Carmen. You've been excellent. Thank you. Thank you. My pleasure, guys. Have a good day. Thank you very much for joining us. Simply Trade is brought to you by the generous contributions of Global Training Center. You can follow the show and GTC on LinkedIn or Twitter and other social networks. Make sure you check out the show notes in the description for a full rundown of today's show with all the important links. Also, make sure that you share this with a friend and subscribe on your favorite streaming platform. We really like hearing from you. If you enjoyed the show, make sure to rate and review wherever you listen to this podcast. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest in the show or would like to sponsor Simply Trade or suggest any topic you would like for us to discuss, please contact us via email at simplytrade at globaltrainingcenter.com or you can DM us on Twitter at simplytradepod. Thank you again for the privilege of your time. Happy trading. Simply Trade is not a law firm or an advisor. The topics and discussions conducted by Simply Trade hosts and guests should not be considered and is not intended to substitute legal advice. You should seek appropriate counsel for your own situation. These conversations and information are directed towards listeners in the United States for informational, educational, and entertainment purposes only and should not be substituted for legal advice. 
No listener reviewer of this podcast should act or refrain from acting on the basis of information on this podcast without first seeking legal advice or counsel. Information on this podcast may not be up to date depending on the time of publishing and the time of viewership. The content of this posting is provided as is. No representations are made that the content is error-free. The views expressed in or through this podcast are those of the individual speakers, not those of their respective employers or Global Training Center as a whole. All liability with respect to actions taken or not taken based on the contents of this podcast are hereby expressly disclaimed.